Derek, and I'm so glad you could join us again. A little bit about Parent Life. We have more than 45 episodes covering especially topics to help parents through difficult situations, specifically focusing on kids from trauma or kids who just have a hard time interacting and engaging with the family and joining in what the family's doing. Today, we're talking about bullying and specifically strength and restraint. How do we teach our kids to A, be strong, and B, have restraint in that strength? Last week, the episode ran a little bit long, and I thought it was just going to be a single episode on bullying, but once I got into it, I just there was just way too much. And so, so here we go. This, this is an incredibly important topic. A, obviously there's a lot of more attention on this nationally now, and, and, it, and it's kind of a, a, a little bit of a witch hunt. However, people aren't, I think all of us, they're just kind of defining it as a classic bully on the playground situation. And obviously there's, there's a lot more to it than that. Bullying is, is very situational, depends on the situation. You know, you can have bullying in the home, you can have bullying between the adults, adult to kid, you can have kid to adult bullying. I've definitely seen that in uh, foster care situations. So, so we're, we're going we're gonna to walk through this and, and talk about and define the goal, what we want to be as parents, what, what we're looking for from our kids in this, and how we can get there. We're, we're looking to raise strength, maybe resilience without aggression. For, for many years, we looked at kids and we're, we're looking to, at them and saying success is self-perception and the term used a lot was self-esteem if a kid has high self-esteem the the parents are doing a good job and yes we want our kids to have high self-esteem we want to encourage this yet we also want our kids to have humility we want them to have a learner's mindset we want them to have a willingness to participate in difficult situations but do so in such a way that they're not intentionally hurting or bulldozing or railroading others. It's it's a difficult road. It's it's a hard process. So, that being said, I'm glad you're here <laughs> because it is hard. It is difficult. And if you're here, you you care and you want to find this to achieve this balance. Last episode, we specifically discussed how to bully-proof our kids. We started off by talking about personalities, our the personalities of our kids, the personalities of the parents. Part of this that I have not gone into very much is is attachment and how we attach with how our, our attachment relationship with our parents and how that is being uh, perpetrated into our attachment relationship with our kids. And I'm I'm not gonna have time to get that today today, but I am I have attachment stuff coming, so so I will try to wrap that into bullying when we get there. So we're going to wrap this up. We're going to talk about how to handle bullying that happens away from us. We're going to talk about how to handle bullying that happens around us. And and that's probably the most important part. So let's get into it. All right, what happens away from us? First of all, we always need to be very aware that there is more to the story. We know this. Every judge in the world knows this. But it's easy to get caught up 
in our emotions in the moment. Don't make judgments immediately that support how your child feels. Keep a little bit of emotional distance while they are relaying the story and going through the information. And the reason why is because we are always challenging our children to improve and grow. There's going to be something in there where we say, okay, here's how you can do this a little bit better next time. We, we don't want to force them to have to handle more than they can bear. So we're not trying to load them up too hard, but at the same time, we're not always going to be telling them, oh, you were perfect. It's a hard balance. It's something that we learn over time as parents and our kids learn. I had a couple, couple of situations with boys as well as girls, and the one that comes to my mind right now is I had a couple of girls from the inner city in my house back in Alabama. We'll call one R and uh, the other one M. And R was just tough and brash and quick-witted, had a, a tongue that could, man, just, just flay people. And uh, M just wasn't very quick, uh, very nice, rather timid and meek. And I don't know what happened to, away from me, but around me, they they got into it a little bit a couple times. And after that, M started doing ours chores. And it was a, I was like, okay, the first couple of times I was like, well, that was very nice of you, you know, good job. And then it kept happening. And I thought, okay, something weird's going on here. And so I, I had to go back to, to M and say, you know what, this is not, this should not be happening. And, and I finally, I told R, I said, look, she's not doing your chores anymore. That's just, it's not happening. So there's, there's, there's various levels of this. And, and oftentimes it can be very much just personality driven or someone's kind of just overwhelming and other people just want to try and make them happy so they don't have to deal with the, the, the emotional force that the first person has, right? So there was another girl that moved into the house, and I put her with R because I thought she was a little bit tougher. And she was, but it just, R was used to just being dominant and... And so they, they roomed together, they got along for several months, and then finally it all kind of came to a head. And just one night just yelling and screaming and and uh, right on the edge of a fight. And someone came in, uh, an, an older lady we knew, who knew the, these two girls very well, came in and she was talking to them. And the new girl um, was threatening to beat up R. And, and R wasn't saying much, but... Um, R, R was a tough girl. <laughs> she was going to be able to handle herself just fine. And so I was just waiting for the fight to start. And uh, and finally, new girl got the staff between them and reached around and slapped R right in the face. <laughs> and so then it was on. So that's... Now, obviously that's not the way that we want to deal with bullying. However... Um, it, it's always going to be tricky when it happens away from us, right? Where we don't know, hey, what what happened? What's the story? Everything that's going down. And, and especially with older kids, they're very good at keeping information away from us. We, we want to incentivize kids to handle it on their own. 
we especially want to make them proud for doing something difficult. We, we remind them, that, look, there's always going to be bullies in the world. There's always going to be problems and issues. We, we might as well start figuring out how to do this. And, and the important part is we start getting them to engage in the process, and we help them understand this is a process. There, there are clumsy bullies, and there are adroit bullies. And many of us are running into the adroit bullies as adults. People who just wield their power and their presence and their personality and their, and their intellectual ability in such a way primarily to gain benefit for themselves. And if they, you know, trample someone or knock somebody in the ditch along the way, they honestly just don't care. So, so learning how to handle a bully is not something that you learn in second grade or fifth grade or in 10th grade and you've got it. Learning how to handle emotional pressure and prickly interactions with with others is something that is a life skill and so and so we we teach this to our kids look this is not a one-time thing this is an opportunity for you to improve and get better and, and like I said you might as well start figuring this out what we do not say is oh that's ridiculous I'm gonna go talk to the principal <laughs> don't say that parent uh, unless this is a clear example of say sexual harassment or you know physical that there was something physical that happened where someone just you know a bigger older kid just knocked somebody down like that's when it's violence yes we we step in sexual harassment is also very difficult sexual har harassment is not okay however we are especially going to have to teach our girls how to deal with it in this world and the better the sooner the better this does not mean we have to be very, really smart about exactly what happened because there are some things where our our girls are not capable of dealing with it, especially from older boys. With boys their own age, we really, we really, as much as possible, we, we want to work through it without involving other adults immediately. I'm talking about verbal sexual harassment here. Please understand me. Physical harassment needs to be discussed and talked about with the adults in charge immediately. Verbal harassment, if it's not egregious, that's that's something, in my opinion, we help our girls to walk through. Uh, it, there's going to be times where, and we help them walk through that. What is appropriate to take to the authorities and what is not? The always solving this for our parents, if, for our kids, is a bad idea. It encourages the child to stay a child, and our process with children is helping them to become adults. And the more we handle it, the less they can do so. Instead of empowering them, we, we sap their budding strength. Because they're, they're starting to step into their own understanding of who they are as a person, their own intellect and abilities, and we, we take that away. And, and we're saying, when I handle it, you're not capable of handling it. And whether we say that or not, the message is implicit. So as much as possible, we encourage them and coach them to handle the situation. Moms, especially, there's, there's a recent Pew social trend study, uh, I'll put, put the reference in the, in the footnote, in the episode description, and moms definitely feel the emotion of the situation more, and they're much more ready to jump in. The, the, trend, the study specifically says that moms feel like they give in way too fast to their kids because they feel the emotional strength of whatever their kids are telling them. Dads in general 
uh, whether or not this is a cultural role or not, dads in general tend to say a little bit more of, okay, you need to go handle this. Dads, a lot of times, what our weakness is, is we don't give the kids specifics on how to handle it, and we don't follow up well. And we just, we expect this to be a one-and-done situation. Dads, it's not. This is an opportunity for ongoing coaching and connection. Moms, this is an opportunity for them to step into adulthood. And we, we, we need to be careful on how, what our own emotions are walking into this. The, the situation needs to be a win for the kid. Okay, now that can be difficult initially, but we keep working with them until they get the win. This, this is really important. The, we as parents, we have the wisdom and the ability to orchestrate things so that the kid can win. We, we can, you can even call something a win where maybe you're like, well, I'm not sure that was really a win. You can still call it a win. The, for me, a win was always speaking truth. When the kid, when when the kid that I was responsible for, a uh, young boy or young girl, would say the truth and they would talk to the other person and tell them, this is what I'm feeling or what you did made me feel this way or this is why I'm upset, that was the win for me. And I would, and I always worked really hard to help them understand, look, you cannot control them. They're trying to control you, but they cannot control you. You are your own, own person you are not governable by anyone else. You choose what you do as they choose what they do. You're free and independent. They are free and independent. Your responsibility is to communicate to them what you believe and think, to be honest about it, respectful about it, but to communicate. That part isn't really that hard. It, <laughs> for some people, that's, that's going to be difficult. But when we put the onus on them to control the situation, that's really hard, especially for those who are more naturally timid or a little bit more meek. It's not too hard to just tell people that made me upset or that bothers me or I feel like that was really mean or I don't understand why you're saying these, these nasty things about me. When we phrase it in such a way, we give our kids an easy win. And that's the part that when they come back with that and they, they come back with, yeah, I told them, we can rejoice with them and we say, good job. You handled it. You know, it, it might not go away. It might not be perfect, but you handled it. And then here's how we're going to role play for the next situation. Here's how we're going to move on. Here's how we're going to, you know, just not make that person a large part of our life. Whatever whatever the, the next coaching step is, we've got to win with the kid, and there's a connection there as well. All right, parents, this is a little bit difficult. Be careful with your past. We were always... <laughs> We're always carrying our past into these present situations with kids. And as soon as we talk about bullying, for me, I thought about the various bullying situations that I've been in. I shared a, uh, a memory last week. It's, we have that, right? And we're judging what our child is going through by what we went through. So we have to be really careful with that. Try 
try and be aware of, of yourself that that's what's happening. And then try and not bring those judgments over as much as possible in the situation your child is telling you. It's, it's not totally possible to divorce ourselves from our past and our memories and our filter. But we at least want to be aware of it. And oftentimes, this is a great conversation to have with your spouse. Because our spouses are very good at knowing what our filter is. Right? <laughs> and oftentimes we don't like that. And it's caused plenty of conflict in our marriage. I'm just going to be honest, that's how it is. But our spouses can help us separate our past from the advice we are giving to our kids. You know, we're like, look, the best thing you can do is just slam that bully right in the throat, throat punch. Let me show you how to do it. You know, maybe maybe that's not the best thing. That There might come a situation for that, no adults around, whatever. But our spouses help us to, to separate our past from our current advice. Finally, teach your kid how to throw a punch. It, there's, there's an amazing amount of self-confidence that comes with knowing that you can defend yourself if necessary. And I would, for me, with my kids, I've always been very clear about, A, you do not initiate physically. And I've had all sorts of little lawyers coming at me like, well, they pushed me. You know, and initiate physically, to me, always meant a strike. Like, if someone pushes you, that's not a hit. You do not, you're not justified to hit somebody because they pushed you. That, that's my definition of it. I understand that there are a lot of people who define this differently. Walk through that with your kid. Talk to them about when they can defend themselves physically, especially when there's no adults present. There's no way to go access the adults. If they're trapped in a situation, they're trapped with, um, away from adults, something along those lines. I'd, we taught our kids how to punch, and we specifically we took them to an MMA class, uh, mixed martial arts, uh, studying jujitsu, and and you could see their self confidence when they could really throw a punch and hit something with force. You could see that self confidence grow in them, and 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 it's amazing when you know you can do something physically. In my opinion, and in my history, I see less. I, I see more calm in that person. And, and that, that click to fight, flight, or freeze is a little bit more slow because they know they can fight. So for us, that was important. My daughter in jiu-jitsu, she learned how to, how to get somebody in an armbar. She learned how to finish off an armbar. We, I mean, basically, essentially rolling on the ground, how to get in a in a strong position on the ground if she was ever taken to the ground by a boy or by a man. Now, she, she still doesn't weigh very much. And so, you know, there's, there's a certain amount where muscle and weight will oftentimes carry the day. However, what she learned in jiu-jitsu is that she can, if someone doesn't know what they're doing, she can get them very quickly in a situation where she has power and control over their arm and she can actually break their arm or cause some sort of significant sprain or, or damage to that arm. That, when she learned that, and she was about 14, 15 years old when she really figured this out and, and she could do it, you could see her walk around with her head sky high. And she'd talk about it. She'd be like, oh, man, you know, I could, you know, that, nobody better touch me because, you know, I'll, I'll arm bar them and, you know, I'll do what I got to do. 
she believed that she could break a man's arm off if he tried to attack her. And, you know, I, I loved it. I loved that she had that confidence that she wasn't scared of that situation. And, and I think it's good for our kids to, to have that same confidence. Okay, final section, bullying around us. So how do we deal with bullying that happens in our direct line of sight that we see or hear? There are two primary aspects to this. Number one is we empower the victim and we give them power in the home. And number two, we place restraints on the aggressor. And, and, then, and then we have them work through it and I will oftentimes have them redo the interaction the way it's supposed to be done. So if I see the original interaction and I can see somebody's really getting upset about this, I will call them over and talk them through it. And I'll say, here's what I saw happen. There might be more to this that happened behind my back, but all I know is what I saw. Here's what I think, it, how it should have gone. Do you guys want some time to discuss this? Almost always the answer is no. There have been times where one of the kids, usually the one who is the victim, will say, yeah, I want to talk about this. And so then I'll tell the bully, the aggressor, okay, you are required to sit here and talk with this person until this, the victim says, tells me, the adult, I'm done. You don't have to agree to anything. You don't have to apologize for anything. But you do have to sit here and listen until the victim says, I'm done. So I empower the victim. And I don't force the bully to agree with or anything like that, but I do force them to sit there until the victim says they're done. What this does is it gives the victim the power over the bully and the, specifically the bully's time and what they're doing. So bullies are almost always bullies because they want something. They are they're aggressive because they want, you know, for, for me and my house, it was sometimes it was clothes with the girls or it was makeup or it was video games or with the boys, um, uh, sometimes it was food. And, and so what I'm doing is I'm giving back power to the victim. And, and there were some kids who I saw that they were misusing that, and eventually I took that away. But very rarely does a victim misuse that for too long. The, 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 I use the word victim. That's probably the wrong word. The, the non-aggressor. <laughs> very rarely do they keep using that. But but once they get frustrated enough, and once they get, they've had enough of the bully pushing them around, they can come back and say, "All right, fine. Well, we're both just sitting here until I feel like you understand me." And I cannot tell you how well that worked. I mean, a hundred kids over ten years, it never didn't work. So, I mean, the the the, the results were astonishing. Bullies will stop once the victim has power over their time. Okay, it will stop. <laughs> so if you're having that problem in your house, that's your solution right there. You two are sitting right here until the non-aggressor, excuse me, the non-aggressor says that we're done with this situation. And I had I had one young man uh, in my house just recently. He was a he was white and he was smaller, he didn't weigh very much. And he would just get picked on by by all the other boys. And he just wouldn't um, wouldn't come to me about things like he didn't want to be a snitch, right? Which, which honestly, I was fine with that. But uh, what I would do is I'd pull him aside and I would coach him. And I'd say, hey, I saw this happen and you didn't come to me about this, 
but here's what I would have done if I was you in this situation. And I pull him aside and coach him. And he, he still, he never came to me. He never, you know, said, hey, this is what's going on. He was involved in a fight in the home because he had, he pushed back and another kid, you know, uh, jumped him. <laughs> so so it, it wasn't, he, he, he tried to handle it in his own way. But over time, I just saw him handle it a little bit better. And, and I would talk to the other boys too, and they'd be, oh, like, you know, so-and-so is a snitch. No, 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 no. He didn't come to me. I went to him. I saw this happen. And it looked to me like you were being the aggressor and you were bullying in this situation. So I'm, I'm just telling you that you need to be careful. This allows us to, to address everyone without being too recriminatory. So we're not assigning blame as much. It's, it's a great, I love being able to address the situation on body language alone. When I didn't hear anything actually being said, I just saw the interaction. I'll call the people over, especially the one I feel like is aggressive, and I say, here's what I saw. I didn't hear anything, so I don't know what's going on. And they'll say, well, no, no, no. I'm saying, no, no, no. I don't, I don't want to know what, even what was being said, but I saw the body language, and here's what the body language is telling me, and that needs to... That needs to change. We all know that the majority of communication is body language. And when bullies or aggressors change their body language, we help them change their body language, the intimidation factor goes way down. And it allows people to interact much better and, uh, and it empowers the, the non-aggressor as well. To conclude for today, whenever our kids take on an interpersonal conflict, we need to praise them. They will not handle it the right way the first time. In fact, they're probably never going to handle it perfectly, right? Who does? Who handles these things perfectly? I know for me as an adult, there's times I can think of in the last couple years where I really wish I'd done it a different way. This is not about perfection. This is about engaging in the process and having a safe place to connect to while we engage. So parent, you're that place. Keep the communication line open. Get your kids to keep telling you what is going on. If they don't feel condemned, they'll keep telling you what is happening. They will share with you. Situations like this, the majority of the time, unless we directly witnessed it, we are coaches. We're not judges. In our culture, depression is growing at an unprecedented pace. While we are doing much better as a society in things like uh, murder rates, things like that, depression is rising. This is directly related to disconnection, the lack of bonds with those closest to us. And we are placing increasing importance on the opinion of those who are casual or temporary acquaintances at best. Parent, fight for the bond. Fight against the trend towards depression. Fight for the close-knit depth of relationship that your child needs. They naturally place a high value on the way that society views them. But that's just not that important. It's not, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to negatively affect their life. What is important is close connections to those who are a significant part of their long-term life. That's their family. That's you. Fight for that intimacy, that relationship. You are their lifeline to balance, their stable point in a tenuous world. You are the answer to their questions, the presence in their ocean. You, parent, are anchoring 
their world. 